This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is hit well in a center field. That one's carrying out at center. It's out of here! Oh, Johnny with a pinch hit home run! At the plate is Mike Trout, the pitch on its way, it's blasted out to dead center field! Out of here! Ball gets away! He's going to break for the plate! Ball game is over! The Angels with a walk-off win here in the bottom of the ninth inning! This is the Angels Recap Podcast, a review of the past week in Angels baseball. Here's your host, Trent Rush. Welcome to the Angels Recap Podcast, Hot Stove Style. As we welcome you into 2019, our first podcast of the year. My name is Trent Rush. Appreciate you finding us, whether it be at angels.com slash podcast or by going uh, to iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. We appreciate you finding this one so we can talk some Angels baseball. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast. If you're a fan of it, let us know what you think. Uh, rate, review. You can always send me an email, trush at am830klaa.com as well. Uh, a couple of really good guests here on the show today. We got Zach Kozart, which we're going to have first. I was so impressed by Zach Kozart in this conversation. He was really candid, and I was um, a, a little taken aback by not the fact that he was, was really honest in this interview because he's always a really straight-up guy, uh, stand-up guy, really straightforward, and is always incredibly honest. That's who Zach Kozart is. Uh, but just talking about dealing with the struggles he had last year and not just the injury, but also the struggles he had even when he was healthy and making that adjustment from shortstop to third base and the details of that. I, I tell you what, if you are the parents of a young player that – is wanting to play baseball, they need to listen to the things Zach Kozart has to say in this podcast. If you are a player yourself, or maybe you're playing high school ball and trying to figure out how to get better, there's a lot of good baseball lessons that Zach Kozart teaches in this interview. So I want to make sure you get a chance to hear that. Additionally, we got Billy Epler at the end of this podcast. I went up to his office, had a chance to talk with Billy about some of the moves the Angels have made. We talked about Matt Harvey and Trevor Cahill and the Angels' approach to the pitching. On top of that, we talked about Jonathan Lucroy, who I hope to have at some point here on Halo's Hot Stove. Uh, he's a really impressive guy, and uh, I think you're going to be really impressed when you hear Billy tell the story about how Lucroy came to the Angels and what the conversation was like when he was on the phone with Josh Paul and Jose Molina, and uh, and it, it was Billy and, and LaCroix's agent and Jonathan, and, and it was really cool how it all came together. I'm excited for you to get a chance to hear that story as well. All right, so without further ado, let's get to our first conversation. That's with Angels infielder Zach Cozart. Joining us now, Zach Cozart. Hang with us. I would assume right now you're at your home in Nashville. Zach, am I right? You, you hanging out right now in Tennessee? Yes. Yeah. Just, uh, just, just rehabbing and getting in the swing of things, literally, with baseball and everything. So it's about that time of the year to where, you know, it's it's it's, it's getting crunch time and go time, and I think everybody's getting excited, you know, to get the spring training and get this thing going. Dude, you must be antsy. 
I, I mean, like considering that it's been, you know, to have the season happen the way it happened last year, that midseason injury, you have shoulder surgery, and now just trying to itch and get back. I mean, I, I would imagine that you've got to be really, really itching to go. I am. I mean, you know, you just don't like, you know, not having to, not being able to physically be able to play. Um, so for me, you know, it's it's been hard. Uh, you know, I've been hitting for about a month. Um, shoulder feels great. Um, now it's just, you know, the hardest part is to not swing too much because I want to, you know, perfect my swing and get, have everything perfect for spring training. Um, so it, it, the hardest thing is to try to hold it back because I have so much, I still have, you know, time to get it back. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's uh, I'm, I'm definitely antsy. For sure. Hey, what's a day like for Zach Cozart in the off season? Like, like what do you do? Well, this off season was a tad bit different because, yeah. you know, just from a rehab perspective, I usually, so pretty much every day during the week, I wake up, uh, have a nice, nice big breakfast, go to rehab about nine o'clock. And I'm usually there until, um, around noon or one, depending on if I'm hitting that day. And then I come and then basically I have to work out too. So there's workouts on top of that. So, my day is pretty long when it comes to just trying to get everything ready and, and feeling good coming into spring training. Um, and then I come home and relax and, you know, hopefully there's some football on or something like that. Huge Cowboys fan. Shout out to my Cowboys. I know L.A. people aren't going to like that, but I'm rooting for the boys this weekend. So um, that's what I do. I was going to say, you could swing a little trip out of this. Come on, stop by the Big A's, <laughs> hang out at the Coliseum Saturday night. That could be fun. Yeah, I was at the Cowboys game last week in Dallas. I was actually there, so I was super pumped about that. But, you know, LA is just such a far uh, flight, you know, to have my family get on there and everything. It's like, you know what, I'll I'll wait. Hopefully they win this game and um, play a little closer to home. There you go. How big of a football fan are you? Huge. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I pull for the Cowboys big time. Um, if they're not in it, I'm still watching all the games. Uh, and obviously, you know, fantasy football with the, you know multiple guys on the team. We have a couple leagues, so I came in second place. Cole, old Cole Calhoun, he 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 took the he took the top spot. He beat me in the championship, so I'm a little bitter about that. But um, I had a pretty good year. How did uh, how did Trouty take it? Not winning the fantasy league. Uh, he, he was pretty talkative early on. Cause, <laughs> you know, his team was pretty good, and then he lost like six in a row to end the year. And I hadn't really, you know, you don't really hear him anymore. So <laughs> he, gets, he gets real quiet. Now, now he's just now he's just fly eagle fly. That's all you, <laughs> you see from him. I love it. We're talking about Zach Cozart right now. Uh, it's fun to just get a chance to relax a little bit. And, and for you, I would imagine, yeah, to get a chance to check out some football. But, man, that rehab schedule you're talking about, you almost need the season to start so you get a little bit of a break. I mean, I mean that is a crazy <laughs> load every day. Well, you know, at the beginning is always the worst. You know, you can't do anything. And so you're just basically getting motion back. And eventually it gets a little more – fun where you can do some strengthening stuff and more like plyometric type stuff and it's just a grind you know i've you know had some injuries to where i've had a battle back from and this is no different and you know i look at it as a you know a nice little challenge for me to come back and you know honestly from a shoulder standpoint my shoulder feels is i mean honestly i don't feel it so that's a positive 
Have you started throwing at all? Have you done any of that kind of stuff? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I've been hitting for a month. Right. You know, because I had to do a hitting progression, and then I started throwing a couple weeks ago, just some light tossing. But I'm catching and everything. Um, on the other side of my body, I have no pain, taking ground balls, stuff like that, just to try to, you know, like I said, it's about that time of the year to get your body moving into a more of a baseball-type uh, workout. So um, I'm just excited to get out to spring training, get out on the field. And like you said, it's been a while for me, and um, I'm ready to compete. I bet. I mean, we talk to pitchers all the time about, you know, whether it be elbows or shoulders. It's always like I don't feel like I have many conversations with position players about that kind of stuff. And for a lot of these guys, I think that there are a lot of doubts that creep into their minds of am I going to be able to come back and be all right? And how's this all going to go? I know that things uh, from a medical perspective have gotten a lot better uh, now versus where they were five years ago, 10 years ago, et cetera. But for you, I mean, considering that yet your arm is important, but there's a lot that you do on a baseball field. How have you been able to kind of navigate? I don't know about the mental side of what can come with an injury like this that ends your season. Yeah. I, you know, if, if, if there was one thing I was lucky about was that, you know, this this occurred semi-earlier in the season last year. So, you know, I had the surgery in the middle of the year, and so it gave me that much more time to where I knew that coming into spring training, I shouldn't have any, um, you know, problems with be, just getting back into playing baseball. Um, sometimes you have the surgery at the end of the year, and you're kind of rushing and trying to fight back to get back as quick as possible. But I've had so much time and you know, I've been, unfortunately, I've been through some injuries before to where I, I kind of mentally, I know how it's going to be. It's gonna, you're going to have your days where it's super tough, and then you're going to have your days where you feel, you know, great. So um, it's no different with my shoulder. And, you know, it's just, it's one of those things that when you have something you love taken away from you, you know, in, in a sense, this is baseball for me, that you work that much harder to get back quick as possible so you can, uh, you know, play the thing you love again. I know you love this game. I mean, I see, I see the work ethic. I see what you do and the time you put in. It's like, um, I, 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 sometimes you you come across a lot of great athletes, and you sometimes you come across some that have a ton of talent and maybe don't love the game, and those that really do love it. Uh, I feel like just in watching the way you play, you kind of sense that there's something different. Where do you think that comes from? Well, you know, when I look at myself, you know, I don't. I never have thought of myself as like the ultimate athlete, you know, I'm not the strongest guy. Um, and, but for me, that was always a challenge that, okay, I can't necessarily hit the ball, you know, 450 feet, but what can I do better than other people? And so I try to exploit that. And, you know, I just, honestly, I love competition. I love, um, I think all baseball players, cause it's such a failure sport from a, position player standpoint we love the grind of trying to perfect everything you know perfect your swing be perfect on defense and it's so hard to get there that but we love that challenge and um i'm no different and that's i definitely love that and i was talking to a kid the other day here that some i hit with he's a younger kid i'm like dude you gotta you know love the grind you know this is baseball is a grind but it's fun, and it's that's why it's the best sport in the world. And when you feel good, the feeling of you know having a, a big hit or whatever, there's nothing better than that. So I'm always striving to get back to that. So 
Um, that's why I'm so, like we talked about earlier, I'm antsy to get back to spring training, um, not have any issues, and, and get going. Zach, in some ways last year, when you're not playing, I know you were still around the clubhouse uh, fairly frequently. Um, from a leadership perspective and trying to mentor so many young guys, we saw a lot of young players come up last year. Uh, most notably, David Fletcher got a lot of playing time, and he had a big role there. Uh, what was your relationship like from that perspective of being a leader with these guys and trying to help them through understanding you know, your background and, and the fact that you're a veteran that's played this game at a high level for a long time? Well, you know, it's. I don't like to be too into um, like getting on or or staying on top of the young guys because you know sometimes I felt like when I was younger and that happened to me, it was sometimes made it not fun to be at the field because you felt like you had somebody always on you saying you got to do this, you got to do that. So I kind of stepped back, and I'm always there. You know, Fletch or you know. Herm, anybody ask questions or whatever, it's like, you know, I'm going to be there to help you out. Um, and then, you know, those guys, those guys work on their own. That's the cool thing about those guys is they get it, they get their, get their work done. They get it done early. There's not, a, there's no excuses. And so it's pretty easy um, with these guys in particular to kind of just let them do their thing and then be there if they have any questions. For sure, for sure. Uh, let's talk about last year for a second, because obviously, you know, second half of the season there, there wasn't one. But also, I, I know that when you were playing, the way the numbers shake out, probably not what you wanted, especially considering the 2017 that you had had and uh, a career year offensively for you. How would you evaluate um, when the time that you were healthy and on the field? How would you evaluate how that went, and and maybe what do you want to do differently this time around? Um, it didn't definitely didn't go how I I wanted it to go. Um, you know, I obviously grinded pretty good last year when I was actually on the field. Um, but you know, I, I, I never really got to where I felt super comfortable from a hitting perspective. Um, you know, I had some games here and there and I started off, I guess, okay earlier in the year, but I never felt, or I never had, that feeling that I had in 2017 of like super confident going up there, knowing or at least thinking or knowing that I'm going to do something positive in whatever situation it was. And I, I don't know if it wasn't anything mechanical, it was just a mental thing to where I wasn't, I didn't feel right. And I was constantly trying to figure out why I'm not feeling right. And then when you're doing that in a day out and day out, you know, it, it, it makes it super tough. Um, you know, especially in the big leagues when you're facing such good pitching that, you know, you're kind of in your own way with your head. So a lot of the last year, honestly, for me with that, it was, you know, it's a, it was a learning experience for me, you know, switching to the American League, honestly. Um, you know, you hear guys talk about it, and you don't really understand what they mean until you actually live it. And it's definitely a different game. Um, the way pitchers attack you, stuff like that so you know that was a learning curve and then obviously playing third base um it's definitely a learning curve i'll be way more prepared coming into the season just haven't been there before so you know i'm i'm looking at last year as a learning curve and um looking forward to getting back to you know the way i was in 17 and the years before that and and um i'm excited you know to get back out there and 
be healthy and, and help uh, the team, you know, hopefully we can win. And that, at the end of the day, is the most important thing. I want to talk to you about defense in a second, but let's go back to what you were saying about kind of the, the mental side and the cerebral part of baseball and trying to feel comfortable. You said you were searching for it really a lot of the time last season, just trying to figure out answers. And I, I just kind of wonder, because I don't think that there's another occupation, I don't think there's another sport that's so much like how baseball is, maybe golf, but trying to yeah. figure out like th- that mental side, and it, are there outside influences that can help with that? Is that something you got to find on your own? Like, where do you where do you seek to try to find those answers? Well, I, I think if, if you've been around the game long enough and you, you have these you know, you have hitting guys that you've trusted your whole career, and then you have, you know, some guys that you not ne- you don't necessarily trust. And so it it's just the whole situation last year for me, it was all new, being on a new team, because I had had with the Reds, obviously, the same guys over and over again. Yeah. And so that relationship being built, you know, day one, it's super hard to do. Um, and so it's, it's one of those things that where you just – uh, you want to be as l- the least amount of mental as you can be because that's how you know the best hitters are. You know, you don't go up there thinking; you just basically react. And um, a lot of my hitting last year was thinking, you know, which puts you in bad counts and puts you not in the right position to hit. And you know, I've been in touch this whole time. I've been hitting this off season. I've been sending videos to you know Jeremy Reed and, and Wooten, and so. I've been in touch with them, and I'm excited to get to work with these guys, and and um, they're helping me out already. So, um, you know, we're just trying to get my swing basically back to where it was in 17, and I'm pretty close. You got to have a lot of adjustments in this game, I guess, right? I mean, for for you to have, you know, you spend most of your career with Cincinnati, and then you come to the Angels, and and now after one season in this organization, now major changes here too, and in, in the coaching staff and how that goes. How would you feel last year for you in your ability to try to understand the adaptivity side of baseball and trying to figure out new ways of doing things? Yeah, it's 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 kind of crazy when you go from one organization from the other and their philosophies and you know how they look either whether it's sabermetrically or or whatever it is. Um, every team has their own thing, and so you know that was an adjustment. Um, and you know, baseball is all about trust. So if you you know you have the, you have people that you really really trust with your craft and you'll whatever they'll tell you, you completely agree with, and then you have to earn trust from other guys and and so it's just uh, it, it was it was it was different and I think as the season went on and I had really good conversations even when I was hurt with the coaches and, and certain guys that you know I grew to okay this you know I feel way more comfortable about everything and you know we can communicate openly and um, and that's what's cool like I said with Reed and Woot is like I'm already in communication with them before even like really seeing them, you know, in person. So um, we'll know, you know, when we get to spring training to kind of hit the ground running and um, we'll know what we're looking for and try to perfect it. Zach, you said before about from the defensive side coming into play in third base, 
this year that you feel like that there's uh, you're, you're going to feel a lot better just because you're going to be more prepared having been through it before. Um, what were some of your takeaways from your time playing third base last year and having to make that adjustment? And you know, obviously, this Angels organization really values versatility. I mean, Billy Epler has not been quiet about that at all, and and that's part of uh, why he wanted you a part of this organization so bad, and many others did as well. So, how do you feel? Uh, where do you feel you're at in terms of being? able to be a versatile player that can play third base maybe on an everyday basis and still be able to have to slide over to short and maybe play some second at some point if that comes up how do you feel or where do you feel you're at with that well i mean playing second and shortstop are very similar in the sense that you're constantly moving you know you're constantly involved in the game um so when i slid over to second early in the year last year when kinsler got hurt like it, it didn't you know, besides trying to learn really quick on the fly, that double play turn, like it wasn't – I felt pretty natural over there. Um, third base is just a different animal. Um, you're more stationary. Um, and if the ball's not hit your direction, you kind of just watch the game, which is, you know, diff- way different than playing shortstop because you're involved in almost everything. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the toughest thing for me at the beginning was trying to – it's something that I never even thought about was trying to figure out where to look to see the contact from the hitter because you can't watch the hitter because they're hitting from third base. At shortstop, you, everything's in front of you, super easy. You can look, follow the ball, whatever you know, certain guys do. But at third base, you have to look out in front because if they hit it to you at third, they're catching the ball out front most of the time. So you're looking in just like an area out front looking for contact. So for me – that was the most difficult thing for me to get used to was to not focus on like what the hitter's doing because you got to focus out front. And so early in the, you know, when I first started playing the first couple, first month or so, I felt super weird over there with that. And then I finally started to get better jumps on balls as it went on just because I started looking in the right spot. Um, But then, you know, it just so happened to, Whenever I got super comfortable at third, then I think uh, Sim Simba got hurt, <laughs> and so I moved to short, and then that's when I got hurt. So um, I definitely think that I'm way more comfortable coming into this season in that position at third, obviously short and second, than I was last year. And I'm you know I'm looking forward to just getting back out there and and getting after it again in those positions. That's really interesting. I've never heard that perspective before of just where to keep your eyes, especially somebody that it's a gold glove shortstop and you go and having to change positions. I think a lot of people would just assume, oh, okay, well, you're on the same side of the infield. It it wouldn't be that dramatic. But, I mean, that really sounds like a, a much harder thing to do than I think most people realize. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously the ball gets to you quicker. The angles are way different. The way the ball comes off the bat is different. Um, so that's why it was so much more like simple for me to move to second base because everything's pretty similar as shortstop. But at third, like I said, you're just, you know, the way you creep up and get your, you, you get ready for the pitch. Everything's so different that it's, I'm so used to moving around at shortstop that I got to third, you're just more stationary. You know, when I, when I played with Scott Rowland, long time ago he always talked about at third he would get a wide base and just kind of sit there and he was like a brick wall over there you know so it's mm-hmm. like 
at shortstop, you don't get a wide base. You get kind of you get athletic and you go get the ball. Um, so there, that was a difference. Um, but like I said, I got more and more comfortable um, as the season went on, and I kept working on it to try to perfect where I wanted to look to see that contact because that's the most important thing because at, at the beginning of the season, I'd look at the hitter. All of a sudden, they'd hit it, and I don't really even see the ball, you know, even if it's coming my way, unless it's right at me because I was looking at the hitter and then what they would do, and then by that time, I was too late. So um, I'm excited to implement what I've learned um, going into spring training. Is Scott still a resource for you? I mean, are there guys you talk to that have played over there that that you kind of you know connect with to, to work on that kind of stuff? I know I know Chavi here with the Angels is somebody that you talked about last year. Obviously, had a, had a big role in trying to get you ready uh, a season ago. Are there other guys you keep in contact with about that? Well, I don't necessarily you know talk to him. There's there's a guy Logan Forsyth lives in Nashville, and I saw him about a week ago when he was starting to do his baseball stuff, and I was like, hey. Because he's kind of that guy that moves around a lot. Yeah. You know, third, second, short. And we were talking about how difficult it is just because you have to, you know, really hone in, like, what you're, what you're looking at and all that kind of stuff. So um, I was, I'm actually going to do a lot of stuff with him coming up here in about a week, um, working on some stuff at third base. But um, it's so different because with Shaw, like – he saw me take ground balls, and he's like, oh, you're good, because I was moving my feet really well. Um, but sometimes at third, you don't need to be super athletic moving your feet. Like, sometimes I felt like I was too too much moving my feet, hmm. um, if that makes sense. It's kind of weird, but, like, at short, I'm constantly moving my feet and moving side to side. It's easy, um, which I did play that my whole life, so it's super easy for me, but... At third, it, just being more stationary, not being involved in the game as much, it was just it was just a uh, learning curve for me. And so I think I, uh, like I said, I, I'm looking forward to taking what I you know learned last year into this year, so I don't feel like I'm too lost out there. Um, because sometimes last year I wasn't you know focused on the right area where the ball was coming at me. Man, that's super interesting to hear you you say that. And also, I mean, I appreciate you being so candid and and telling us how that goes, too. I mean, you don't hear a lot of guys talk like that, and uh, I know I appreciate it, and I think our fans do as well because it's it's great to hear that kind of stuff. Hey, I got to ask you, what's the uh, what's the music scene like in Nashville these days? You hanging out on Broadway? You stop? You going to the Opry Land? (laughs) Checking out concerts here and there? Uh, No, rehab has taken up my whole offseason. (laughs) Yeah. Um, it was my first time to actually really get away was to go to this Cowboys game last week. So, um, no, I don't make it down to Broadway too often. Um, I know the Predators are playing well, so hockey team's doing good. And um, But, uh, no, I, I'm a pretty boring guy. You know, I like to I like to take advantage of my offseason of being super lazy. <laughs> I like it. Good for you, man. Rehab. Uh, yeah, you yeah. don't you don't get to be lazy this off season. No way. No, it's, not that much. <laughs> hey, Zach, seriously, thanks for the time today. Really appreciate it. I, I'm I'm rooting for you. I'm hoping that you, your off season continues to go awesome, and I can't wait to see you. It's like we're we're like a little over a month away from seeing you in Tempe. It's crazy. So I appreciate yeah, it, man. Crazy. Yeah, you got it, Trent. Thanks. All right, take care. I told you you were going to like it. I, I tell you what, Zach Kozar is one of those stories that I, I'm really pulling for him. 
and I, I'm excited to see what he can do here in this 2019 season. Look, I'm not even saying you need Zach Cozart to be what he was in 2017 when he had a career year and was an all-star and was everything for the Cincinnati Reds. But if you can be what if Zach can be what he was other years, you know, in like what he was in, in 2014, 15, 16, where he's still a really productive player and a, a great glove and a great leader in the clubhouse and does so many things, that's really going to help this Angels team. It's almost like signing another free agent because really uh, you didn't have Zach Cozart basically at any point last year. Even when he was healthy, he struggled and he talked about it and trying to find uh, that confidence and trying to find where he wants to be, where he can feel comfortable. And I think this new coaching staff is going to help with that. Already the fact that he's spending time talking with Jeremy Reed and Sean Wooten, that's a really encouraging sign for me. Now I want to shift gears to guys that the Angels have actually signed as free agents this offseason. And for that, I went upstairs to go talk to Angels GM, Billy Epler. I'm sitting in Billy's office right now, just talking some baseball, and I got some questions about uh, some of the new players that are going to be joining the Halos this year. Let's start on the pitching side first, Billy, with uh, the signing of Matt Harvey. Can you walk us through what attracted you to want to sign Matt Harvey this year? Yeah, I mean, uh, Matt's obviously had uh, you know some adversities physically um, over the past couple of years with the, the Tommy John and then the, the thoracic outlet. Um, procedure as well and you know generally as players start to distance themselves from those types of injuries um, and put those farther in their rearview mirror um, you start to to see flashes of um, uh, of of their old self or their pre you know the the self that they were prior to those uh, surgical procedures and so with Matt um, one of the things that that we noticed um, our scouts noticed our front office noticed and even you know Doug White who was uh, on board at that time and was looking at some video is that some of the pitch characteristics um, of, of his arsenal uh, notably you know the, the fastball and the slider um, and, and even the change to some degree started to uh, demonstrate some of the same characteristics that we saw back in 2015 from uh, from Matt and um, we started to see the movement and and like I said, some of those characteristics kind of mirror that um, or get closer to that um, that that he that he had you know achieved in 2015, and so it gave us some confidence that that you know Matt Matt was you know regaining some some shell of his of his former self, and and I think we we evidenced a little bit of that in in Cincinnati. Um, we saw that his strikeout rate went up and his walk rate went down, right? Those are both things moving in the, in the positive direction. But again, back to more of how did those things happen, we think that, that those things happened a lot because of the pitch characteristics. And so with Matt, um, you still have a, a, you know, a, young, a young pitcher. He'll pitch all season. He's 29 years old right now. He'll turn 30, I think, at some point in spring training. Um, but you still have some flashes of um, uh, you know of what he was prior to all those procedures, and we saw an uptick in velocity as well. So some of the the process characteristics, how the pitch moves, how the pitch behaves, the how the, the velocity of the pitch, all of those things were trending in a positive direction, and 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 got us to a point where where we were comfortable uh, executing a one year deal with Matt. 
And then on top of that, you bring in Trevor Cahill. I know a lot of fans have been asking for the ace, that star, the big free agent out there. Uh, Trevor Cahill, another guy that has put up decent numbers in his career. He projects, at least from what I can tell, a mid-rotation kind of a pitcher. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about the idea behind signing uh, not just Matt, but also Trevor Cahill as well, and maybe trying to fill a void in a rotation that is still kind of seeking that top-tier depth? Yeah, I mean, you you know, a lot of this for us is, you know, understanding the the, the players that we we currently have here, and, and Heaney and Skaggs, and still seeing upside in those guys. I don't think those guys are finished products by any uh, by any stretch of the the imagination. So, we wanted to supplement um, the pitchers that we do have here uh, in in those two guys, and Jaime Bria, who had a great year last mm-hmm. year, and Felix Pena, who really came on. Um, and I think a lot of people probably had to go look up who Felix Pena was when they finally saw him, you know, start towing the rubber for us. And then, you know, the, the proof was, you know, the proof is in what he did last year um, in the rotation. And then um, so you so you supplement that with with Cahill and Harvey and, and two guys that, you know, are, are pretty well battle tested. And, and Trevor knowing this league and, and just kind of being a staple out on the on the West Coast really understands um you know what it takes um you know to pitch at this level and so we felt that that those guys really help build our depth um and you know they they came in um or they're coming in with with an opportunity to kind of to continue to make their mark and mentor some um some of these younger guys that are going to be around and and like I mentioned Jaime Bria and Felix Pena and then you know, at some point, uh, you know, people start talking about Jose Suarez and Griffin Canning and probably Patrick Sandoval at some point and so on and so forth. So, um, you know, it was important for us to con- con- continue to build that depth and build, um, you know, round out that rotation. How important do you see that mentorship role? I, You know, one of the things that we've talked about in the past here, Trent, is, like, you know, you always want your, your personnel to continue to learn and grow. Um, and you know somebody like like Trevor, who's approaching you know ten years at the at the major league level. I mean that, that's experience, and that's you know learning moments come with a lot of those things. And if those can be imparted onto some of our other players, that that you know that that's some of the um, you know more of the subjective value um, that comes with the, with these guys. But nonetheless, it is uh, it is important for us. I want to talk about Jonathan McCroy for a second now, uh, a guy that. When I look at his offensive numbers and I see what his you know, runs that he drives in, the rate that has gone, and the batting average, and even on-base percentage and some others, uh, even OPS, it's kind of trended down the last three, four years. Um, what do you see in Lucroy and what he can bring to this organization? Um, well... You know, defensively, Jonathan Lucroy. You know, if, if we circle back to you know the 2012 through 2016 seasons for him, um, he was elite defensively, elite receiving ability, um, and and game calling ability. And it was interesting because when we were going through the the signing process with him, or or the I guess the due diligence process. Um, myself and Jose Molina, our new catching uh, coach at the major league level, and Josh Paul, uh, another familiar name and catcher at the major league level, you know, we had a conference call with him and, and basically interviewed him on, on a couple different aspects because we had studied some video, or they had studied some video, um, 
and uh, and found some things that, that we thought we might be able to do um, with with Jonathan. And so getting uh, getting an opportunity to get him on the phone and get an understanding of of what he saw and what he thinks, you know, we, we were trying to measure his adaptability, right, and his open mindedness, and and uh, you know what what really um, what really resonated with us after that phone call was that Jonathan was very aware um, that his receiving wasn't what it was in 2016, um, and wanted someone um to uh you know to kind of work with him on that and he recognized that jose molina who's pretty much the godfather of receiving um ability um there has not been a a better receiver for as long um since they kind of started tracking that um there has not been a, a better receiver than jose molina and he even acknowledged it on the on the phone call and he said you know jose you know, in, in your, you know, mid thirties and later thirties, you were still able to remain elite. So I want to hear everything you have to say on, on, on that subject, because I know I'm better than this and I know I can get back to this. And so, um, that really told us a lot about what the player was like. And, um, you know, you kind of heard through the years from people that had been around him in Milwaukee or Texas or Colorado or Oakland and so on and so forth, just what kind of guy he is that completely resonated on, uh, on the, on the phone call. You felt some leadership um, in this player, but also accountability in this player, um, and so you know that gave us some confidence that this would be the the right guy to to lead some some younger pitchers, um, and also having that awareness of the game calling and knowing the league and just uh, just experience that is really really hard to to kind of put a number on and, and to quantify um, on the offensive side, like you started talking about, you know. Um, there were some factors with, uh, with with Jonathan that that give us some optimism that um, his 2018 season was a little, um, uh, you know, a, a little a little more of an anomaly than the than the back of his baseball card. And you know, we we kind of felt that he had a decent opportunity to get a, a little bit closer to his 2017 um, numbers than his 2018 numbers. And some of the reason that we, that we felt that way was. One, how hard he was hitting the ball, right? So, you know, our scouts, when they're in the ballpark, will measure, you know, how hard, you know, they see a guy hit a ball. But now with also, the, you know, you have that supplemental technology in every single ballpark that will tell us how hard the guy is hitting the ball. And, and we looked into to Jonathan and we saw he was hitting the ball harder in 2018 than he did in 2017. So that gave us some optimism. Um, we also saw that his chase percentage – uh, meaning like his decision making on swing versus no swing um, his decision making ability was was getting better as well so um, he was still making really good decisions in the batter's box and he was hitting the ball harder and you know there's a concept out there that that's called batting average on balls in play right and it's what that generally means is like for every ball in play that you hit out there roughly depending on the speed of the player but but and and the shifting of the defense roughly you should be getting a, a, a hit 29 percent of the time um, Jonathan was down at more like 27% of the time. And so we felt that there was some some bad luck, essentially. Sometimes guys, we've all seen this as fans, as evaluators. We can probably think back to our own playing times. I hit this ball hard and there was somebody right there. I think that was happening a little bit more often than not um, with Jonathan last season. And I know, you know, the little man on our shoulder sometimes tells us this will all even out. Sometimes it does. 
um, but sometimes it doesn't all even out, at least not in one season. And so, um, you know, we're, we're, we're optimistic that, that that might be able to, uh, to get back to evening out a little bit in the 2019 season. But um, Jonathan understands that the primary responsibility for a catcher is his pitchers. That came through in his phone call. That's similar to our own mindset. Um, and we asked him, you know, a little bit about what, you know, what he felt the responsibility of the catcher was. And he said, it's the, I have 12 players I'm responsible for every single day, all right? Um, or at least eight every single day and the seven relievers and the, and the one starter that particular day. And we didn't tell him what, how we value catching, but that is exactly how we value catching yeah. and that is exactly how we think about catching. And so it just felt... Um, after we had that time together, that, that this was the, the right guy. Man, after hearing all that, I'm excited to hang out with him. I'm excited to meet him in the clubhouse and, and spend some time. I like being around smart people and leaders and people that want to learn. And sounds like Lucroy, no question, is one of those guys. I, I want to ask you we're talking about Angels general manager Billy Uppel right now. But yeah, I do want to talk about that all these guys are on one year contracts, these, a lot of these moves uh, that you're making this offseason. Um, can you explain a little bit about the philosophy about why you want these guys just for one year? Uh, as opposed to, I know a lot of people, we see the, you know, the big contracts with the multi years, everyone wants those. Why one year with these guys? Um, well, sometimes you have to pay a little bit of a premium for flexibility, but flexibility is a good thing. And so, um, you know, in this particular instance, this is how these, uh, you know, situations kind of played themselves out. Um, it wasn't a design at the start of, of the winter time, but as the marketplace opened and we kind of looked at some of the um, happenings within the marketplace and, and, and assessed market behavior, um, it felt like it, it would it would be um, mindful for us to to stay in a one year situation if we could. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you do, like I said, you have to pay a little bit more, uh, maybe to get a player on on a one year uh, situation. But what it do, what it does is it it allows us it, it frees up future opportunity, um, and you you don't have to live with the opportunity cost factors mm-hmm. um, that sometimes come with signing multi year deals, and in future years others you know situations come to light um and you might have to stand down because of multi-year situations this allows us to stay active flexible and if the right situation occurs could be mid-season in a trade could be next winter time in a trade could be next winter time in free agency we have you know added flexibility because you know we've we've chosen to go the the one-year route um so it allows us to to stay players um in just about anything uh moving forward if if we so choose, and the, and the the economics and the and the circumstances are right, Billy, I really appreciate the time. Thanks for laying some of this stuff out for us and uh, giving us a little breakdown on, on what's been going on so far this offseason. Thank you. Absolutely, good to see you, Trent. Hey, man, that's as direct as it gets. Straight from Billy Epler, the answers as to why he has made the moves he has made so far this year. I want to encourage you to check out our radio show. On AM 830, Uh, we're on a lot of different times, but lately it's been on Tuesday nights at 7 o'clock, so be sure to check that out. It also re-airs Sunday mornings at 10, so uh, opportunity for you to hear the Halos Hot Stove show on the radio. we got an awesome group of guests lined up here uh, for the next several weeks. It's going to be really, really cool. 
great show uh, this past week, having Zach and Billy, which we have here on the podcast also. But uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to what is to come uh, here in the next few weeks for our show. And all gearing up for the start of spring training, which seriously is like right around the corner. Pitchers and catchers report like in five weeks. It's nuts uh, to think about how soon that is coming up. I want to thank all of you once again. Subscribe to the podcast uh, on iTunes. Uh, follow us uh, at AngelsRadioKLAA.com. You can also follow me at Trent Rogers Sports. But let me know what you think. Rate, subscribe, review, and uh, just any feedback is really helpful. We certainly would appreciate that here. Have a great rest of your day, and we will see you back with the next edition of Halo's Hot Stove uh, coming up Tuesday night at 7 o'clock on the home of Angels Baseball. Angels Radio AM 830 KLAA. Take care, everybody.